a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. 107 criminal justice leaders from across the country sent a letter to President Biden today asking him to create a presidential task force on 21st century prosecution. Salt Lake County District Attorney Sim Gill was among those who joined on to that letter, and he joins us now to discuss how such a task force would help provide greater liberty and justice for all of us. And, uh, Sim, thanks for joining us today. Always a pleasure, Boyd. So so tell me about this uh, this letter. Who is this group, and uh, what is the letter really all about? Right. Uh, so this is, you know, uh, as you mentioned, this is a call on the Biden administration to create a national task force similar to one that we was created under President Obama for 21st century policing. And what it really is to start a conversation so we can have some national standards and cohesion and uniformity in delivering on the promise of justice uh, that we do in our criminal justice system. So it's about uh, saying, OK, uh, do we need cash bail? How do we uh, uh, push that against uh, ensuring public safety? How do we address the issues and needs of uh, crime victims and also make sure that the collateral consequences of low level offenses don't continue to burden and create economic Economic burden on not only that person and their families in an intergenerational way. So it's about the processes that we can engage in. The while they may have good intentions, can sometimes give us bad outcomes. So it's about making sure that every citizen in this country has a fair and just uh, constitutional uh, process available to them, and to ensure that we also can uh, ensure public safety at the same time. Uh, I think that's so important, and uh, you have always been one focused on the fact that uh, that justice is a lot more complex than just arresting people, putting people in jail, kind of doing that low-level stuff. And it sounds like this uh, this task force that you are calling on the, the president to assemble uh, would help uh, address that very thing. No, absolutely. Look, uh, pursuing justice, as I said before, is more than just simply arresting and putting them into jail. We as taxpayers are spending over $182 billion a year. And, and I think it's legitimate to ask, what are we getting a return on that investment? And while about 5 to 10 percent of the population of our prosecution is the one that we uh, really need to 
uh, incarcerate and uh, incapacitate because they're a risk to our community. What are we doing for return on investment on that other 85 to 90 percent And when they're cycling through the criminal justice system? So, so it's about talking about issues about where, when does the diversion work? When does therapeutic justice and taking, uh, uh, addressing mental health issues is more appropriate than simply uh, continuing to build more jail cells and keep spending the tax dollars on it? And when we're not getting the return on that investment for the billions of dollars that we are spending. Uh, this is such a, a crucial conversation, and I appreciate you being part of this and helping lead out in this because it's it's so easy for us to to fall into kind of the the checklist thing of oh well you you know you did crime X so we're going to give you punishment Y uh, and there's there's really no uh, you know ability to adapt or adjust or to take in other circumstances and it seems to me that this is really the not an end but really the beginning of a very different conversation as it relates to criminal justice. No, you're so right. Because remember, while we uh, we believe in rehabilitation and we prosecute somebody and we may jail or even uh, incarcerate them, if we don't pay attention to their reentry back into society and, uh, and then they can't get a job, uh, their poverty then is uh, passed on intergenerationally, which we as the taxpayers pick up. While our intentions may be good, the punishment then ends up being disproportionate, and the cost to both that family and to the taxpayers uh, is without the return on that investment. And, and especially in this time when we're having a, a genuine question about are we disproportionately impacting communities of color and poverty, when there's such a distrust about our criminal justice system, it is about time that we can say, okay, these are the things that we're doing right. Here are the things that we can improve on, or here are the things that we're doing wrong. So all of our citizens, uh, whether they're in Massachusetts, Utah, or Arizona, wherever, can say that our system has the legitimacy uh, and, and is there to serve the community of citizens for which it's created. Uh, it's okay. In this uh, white paper that accompanied this letter to the Biden administration, uh, it does talk about this opportunity there is for the system to be reformed by elected prosecutors responding to, uh, as you pointed out, community voices, reaching a bipartisan agreement, coalescing around the need for smarter strategies to promote public safety. Uh, As we look at that white paper, what else is in there that we should be having as part of our conversation in our own communities? Right. I mean, for example, the value of pre-filing diversions, uh, and uh, because not everybody needs to be prosecuted and convicted, uh, ending up with a conviction. You can still hold that person accountable with a pre-filing diversion or diversion opportunities, uh, promoting a, a community-based uh, th- therapeutic interventions uh, before they get into the criminal justice system or as they re-enter back out of there, uh, making sure that we listen to c- c- crime victims and crime survivors. Uh, for example, like the Victim Support Services Division that we uh, started here recently that uh, took those six to children of trauma uh, to summer camp. How do we serve the community of victims and make sure that we're living up to our promise of justice to them? And then recognizing that you cannot have one uh, size fits all when it comes to criminal justice because those resources are uh, limited. And how do we strategically lock up the people who are a risk to our community and then hold accountable and give an opportunity in a therapeutic way to let those people who can benefit from that uh, uh, caution 
who want to re-enter back society as uh, members of our community, uh, making sure that we can expedite expungement, and uh, because that can have a disproportionate impact five years, 10 years, 20 years after you've already paid your debt to society. So all of these issues are important issues that the criminal justice system spends billions of dollars but we don't get the return on investment. And especially, how do we engender uh, and recognize and honor the good work that law enforcement is doing and where we can critically uh, look and say they're not doing well so we can hold them accountable, so we can engender that trust back into our criminal justice system and the legitimacy that is the foundation of our, of our criminal justice system. Uh, and that trust is so important. It's the one thing that we cannot drain out of our constitutional republic uh, is that trust, that confidence in our institutions, in our laws, in our processes. Uh, if you're just joining us, again, 107 criminal justice leaders from across the country sent a letter to President Biden today asking him to create a presidential task force on 21st century prosecution. Uh, we've been thrilled to be uh, joined by Salt Lake County District Attorney Sim Gill, who is among those who joined the letter. Uh, Sim, we appreciate your work on this. This is a, a critical reform and a crucial conversation, and appreciate you weighing in with us today. Well, thank you for the opportunity. All right, and uh, we're going to go ahead and step aside quickly for a uh, commercial break. Uh, We're following news. Stay with us. Uh, We're hearing more on masks and mandates. Come up, coming up next here on KSL News Radio. Stay with us. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.